Welcome to another episode of Electable, sponsored by Indiana Women's Action Movement. Uh, today, we are super excited to have Kate Hess-Pace with us. She is the Executive Director of Hoosier Action, which is a just a phenomenal organization that is really localized in the southern half of Indiana. Uh, we hope uh, one day it will take over the entire state, um, but for now, she really focuses from on southern Indiana, but on legislation that, and uh, action that really impacts all Hoosiers. So, Kate, if you could just introduce yourself a little bit more about your history and how you came to Indiana and what you, why you came back and what you're doing. Sure. Um, so my name is Kate. I'm the director of Hoosier Action. I live in New Albany, Indiana. And um, I am, Hoosier Action is an independent, nonpartisan organization that really focuses on getting everyday people kind of activated and participating in the decisions that impact their lives. I, um, I grew up in Southern Indiana. My family's been um, in the Ohio River Valley for 150 years plus. Um, but I moved away uh, at a young age and um, a young age, like in my late teens. Uh, and really I did faith-based organizing in Minnesota for almost a decade and really learned what it meant to get people activated around their values and tra train people in leadership development and bring people together across difference to really win big change that impacts people's lives. And then I would come back here and visit my family and feel like there were no vehicles for people to join and be a part of, particularly in small town and rural areas where they could impact um, the circumstances of their lives, where they could be a part of decision-making um, and instead, um, really just fed kind of a national media and a national analysis, often uh, skewing right wing, um, that wasn't a participatory process for people to really uh, enliven our democracy in our state. And it felt like things were getting worse and worse. So I moved back um, a little over four years ago and um, began building this organization, uh, mostly in Southern Indiana. We have members in Northern Indiana, but our chapters are uh, almost primarily in Southern Indiana. Well, it's a wonderful group. And I learned about your group in 2019 uh, and was just so impressed uh, when I went down to Southern Indiana to Martinsville uh, to a meeting with 200 people there uh, mm -hmm. who spent hours um, sharing their experiences and uh, sharing their, their plans to make change. And it was really incredible. I was so impressed. And, and I think it's just amazing what you have done here in Indiana, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just, and I would just want to express my gratitude for your coming back uh, to this state because we mm -hmm. need you. So um, uh, I want you to talk a little bit more about that because here in Indiana we have um, a lot of people who, um, you know, express their, you know, their outrage over th things that are happening around them uh, on social media in particular. They, you know, go, you know, rant and everything, but we can't get them to, you know, really take more action than that. And talk a little bit more, if you would, about how we can help people who are victims of environmental problems, other oppression, you know, voter suppression, uh, you know, women's rights that are just squashed um, in Indiana. Tell us more about how you can help those people um, take action. Sure. I, so our orientation is really to start with asking people what's happening in their lives rather than to tell them how to feel or think about 
any any issue. Um, so we're really spend a lot of our time um, now that we're moving out of the pandemic on the doors and during the pandemic on the phone, um, just asking people like what's happening in your life, what's happened to your town, what would make things better. And, um, and then inviting people like, do you want to be a part of changing some of the things that are really hurting you and your family and your community? So that's where we start. And that that is different than the way politics plays out in social media, which tends to stay on kind of two feelings of either outrage or virtue and isn't actually inviting people and to think about things differently, to imagine that they could be a part of changing things. Um, and it keeps politics kind of locked away, the day-to-day work of politics from everyday people. There's no invitation. Um, so that's a lot of what we do. And what did that get to your, and then we um, are often like looking for where we can make an impact. So it's not, we, um, after 2018 really decided that we weren't going to focus at all on national issues and really try to figure out how we can improve people's lives on the ground. So, and we operate with a deep respect for all humans that people have great potential if they are um, in an organization or container that can nurture that potential inside of them. Um, So like in Martinsville, we have an active chapter there that's been really um, working to get EPA cleanup and to get toxic contamination out of their water. And they have some of the highest cancer rates in the state. So that is where we started with them. What do you want to fix about your community? And then they have really taken off and um, got Representative Mayfield to author legislation. It didn't pass, but uh, protecting renters and homeowners from toxic contamination. And so that's like a small example. Um, And then each chapter works on different issues based on what they need. We have a mom's chapter that works on... um, protecting pregnant women on the job and childcare. And then we bring people together. So the Martinsville meeting was both like grounded in Martinsville with that leadership, but also brought together the whole organization um, to see what values we can align across, you know, across our state and to move forward. I hope that made sense. That is um, amazing. That's really amazing work. And, uh, and I know that in Southern Indiana, you do have some really kind of uh, specific localized issues like the Scott County um, mm-hmm. syringe program, exchange program um, that has been, you know, just very big. And and it's surprising to see, I'm, I can't remember, I'm sorry, the, the gentleman's name who really runs that program uh, and has been so vocal about it. And, you know, that requires organizations like yours to support him. Um, you know, one person like that can talk about, you know, hey, this is what we should do for health in this, in this county. Um, but if they're just, you know, if, if there's not a good, you know, support organization uh, really saying he's not alone, um, you know, those, those people get squashed, especially in Scott County, Indiana. I don't even know where that is. I know all the counties I thought, but I don't, I'm not sure where Scott County is. It's a one county north of me. So it's in between Floyd and um, like Jackson and Bartholomew County. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. Okay. And- there's 92. I don't, I don't have <laughs> them <hard>. all memorized. <laughs> it's hard. So um, I also want to talk about some of the issues that you take on. So you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, health and, um, and uh, m- the mom's group that works on pregnancy and maternal health, uh, you know, infant um, health. 
in Indiana. So, and you also work on environmental issues. So how do you choose you? I mean, there are so many issues out there. How do you choose? Um, we really choose based on what our membership is really facing. And uh, it's that and where we feel like we can make a big impact. So there's some things that our membership faces that we don't, along with our membership, think that we have enough power to influence yet. So things like wages, mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a couple years before we have a, a, enough um, people power to really raise the wage beyond the poverty wages that many of our people are being paid. Um, so a lot of it is bread and butter issues that are um, where we feel like we can influence the decision makers and that our membership is directly impacted by. That's so great. How, many, how many members do you have now? We have, um, so we have leadership in every state Senate district um, wow. and we have I think we have 13,000 people in our database and then dues paying members, it's, we have a couple hundred and we're trying to grow that. We're, at, we're actually launching a base building program. We just launched it for the next five months where we're going to have 10,000 conversations with Hoosiers and then bring in a whole bunch more people in a set of new counties. Oh, that is so exciting. And um, I know you're also very involved with um, um, advocating at the state house mm -hmm. and um Tell me more about how you're working with that system. We all know that in, you know, two, in 2020, you know, COVID, and it was a disaster. And, mm -hmm. and that was reflected in the outcome of the session. Um, mm -hmm. Bills passed that you couldn't believe. Um, and they were able to pass because no one could get to legislators um, in, in many aspects. And they tootled around, you know, without really any reflection from their constituents. So, uh, so that was a big problem. But tell me, I guess, you know, what's your, what's your, what, what, what legislation were you most passionate about in 2020? And um, I guess you have to say what happened too. <laughs> um, so we, our, our members prioritized 51 bills that they either wanted to move forward or stop. I don't think we would do that again. I think we would not pick that many. Um, so it was quite a range. Um, we had three membership groups, one focused on um, environment and uh, another on kind of health that, that included the work on maternal health and then another one on um, criminal justice and substance use, which is a huge issue for many of our people. Um, so those are broadly the most important issues to us uh, and to our membership, really like, can we make sure that everybody has access to clean water? And can we reduce the amount of a toxic pollution that people are exposed to? And can we um, make sure everyone has the opportunity to live a healthy life? So that's like fully funding Medicaid and um, things like the pregnancy accommodation bill, which was a, which is the third year that we have worked on this. Um, it was a priority bill for the governor um, two years in a row. Um, it had a pretty impressive coalition behind it beyond just us um, and still wasn't able to get a strong pregnancy accommodation bill. And that just means if you are pregnant on the, so we have, um, I think we're still at the third worst maternal health, maternal mortality in the country, um, which is really awful. 
and unnecessary in 2020 for that many women to be dying um, either during their pregnancy or during childbirth. And one of the ways that we can really improve that is to make sure that when women are working, which the majority of women in our state do, that they have some protections on the job to make sure that they can have a safe and healthy pregnancy. So it's a, it's pretty basic. It's like you can get um, you can get access to water. You have access to bathroom breaks. You have um, they have to follow a doctor's note if you have one. You you are um, don't have to lift over a certain amount. And it's in I think thirty seven states. But even that, we were unable to really move a robust bill protecting um, women on the job. And then we do a lot of work on um, like reducing the orientation that people that are struggling with substance use should be criminalized. Um, so we had a set, when, and we also uh, hear constantly about people's need for access to recovery programs, access to affordable recovery programs and access to mental health services. So that was a large priority as well. And, and um, I will say in the budget that got passed, there was uh, more money allotted for mental health um, and recovery programs and Medicaid was protected in the budget. So it wasn't all bad, but for the most part, um, this was the most inaccessible legislative session that I have ever experienced. It was the most out of touch with what everyday people need after going through the pandemic um, and was, was pretty, um, my dog just busted into the room. Hopefully she'll be quiet. Uh, it was the most um, unaccountable and least transparent legislative session in a, um, I, I hope this is the lowest that our state ever goes in terms of executing a functioning democracy. Right. And I, um, I, you know, it's my hope uh, to really try to hold um, those um, legislators accountable for those decisions, uh, because this is really just, you know, unacceptable in a democracy. Uh, it was a frighteningly um, non-transparent session, as you say. And, and of course, as to that pregnancy accommodation bill, oh my gosh, it, it you know, just insulting to women uh, that they, passed a law that said, okay, you are now allowed to ask for assistance as if you weren't allowed to ask before, um, but your, your employer doesn't have to answer you. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, it's almost as if they, you know, tried to lower expectations for pregnant women in the workplace. And, you know, just insulting, uh, really just, I, I, I get yeah. really pissed off some days. But anyway, so those are important bills. And I know that you are working um, very hard on that. Um, tell us what your plan is for the future. I know you did mention, and I think this is great, you're going to be uh, doing more. I think we call this deep canvassing, um, mm -hmm. where you're just doing a lot more talking with people uh, either on the phone or uh, at their doorstep uh, about what their needs are, what they wanna see in the future. And so tell us what you hope for the future. So we're um, launching this, it's called Hey Hoosier, and we're going to talk to 10,000 Hoosiers, both on the doors, uh, phones, um, and through a set of surveys that we're moving. Um, and we are, one, just trying to understand what people are facing 
uh, what they need, what communities need, and then move um, a certain set of them into leadership inside of the organization and really invite and engage them in running local campaigns um, that will improve their communities. And I should say issue campaigns. So that could be anything from getting more affordable housing in your town to like trying to get cleanup on a site that's contaminated or getting a syringe service program opened in your community um, to reduce the spread of communicable diseases. So um, I tend to be a little bit um, open to any issue that's impacting our membership and more really, really fixated on what does it take to get people um, kind of off the sidelines and into the game of shaping their community. And I have a lot of hope because when I, you talk to people and you remove the um, red team, blue team orientation that kind of locks people up a little bit and you talk to them about issues and you talk to them about what they care about and you ask them about like, do you want your children to have opportunity and do you want to be safe moving through the world? Most people are with us and they want that and they want the same thing. So that is our focus for the next five months. And really the deep canvassing is also moving um, people off of the kind of orientation, particularly in areas that are significantly white, that people of color are the reason why there's no good paying jobs in their community or why that they're often fed um, kind of it's your neighbors that's at fault instead of actually a set of moneyed power in our state that um, that is the reason why the only job in your town is at the Dollar General. A set of decisions, it has nothing to do with the immigrant population in our state. So we do a lot of work kind of reframing the origins of people's pain and suffering. You know, I have to ask you, um, I've, uh, I've been intrigued lately with um, the state of employment in uh, our state, as well as across the country, uh, there's all of these, you know, low paying jobs that people have been having, you know, one or two or three of them to support their families. And then COVID, everybody went home uh, and people applied for unemployment and got the federal supplement for um, unemployment benefits. And then uh, jobs started opening up and people were said, no, I don't really want to go work three jobs uh, with no benefits and low pay again. And, um, and so it occurred to me, could now be the time that people organize <laughs> and, um, and really uh, create you know, collective bargaining units uh, in their employment? Uh, that, that notion is really, in Indiana especially, is so far removed uh, from people's everyday understanding of employment. Um, you know, because of the legislation that's been passed, the right to work laws and, and um, you know, refusing to weigh, uh, increase minimum wage and of course other benefit stifling uh, uh, legislation that we've seen pass in Indiana. And so, so what's your take on that? What do you think? I know, and as we know now, the governor has said, well, okay, people, um, we're taking away that extra $300. So, you know, so now I, you know, you have to go back and take these low paying mm-hmm. jobs and get two or three to, to raise your family. Um, so what's your take on all of that? Um, multiple takes. One, I, I do think that people don't 
are underestimating how much people are still a little bit in the COVID moment where the amount of care taking that women are doing at home is a significant driver of some of these jobs not getting filled and that we have not addressed that as a state or as a nation from childcare um, to sick leave, et cetera. Um, so I do think, and this is why we do a lot of work just um, listening and talking with people that, and I worked on a minimum wage campaign um, several years ago in Minnesota. And the first thing we have to upend is the notion that um, we don't have enough. So whenever I talk to people that are stuck in low wage jobs, they think actually we don't have enough to pay them more. So first front is working with people to realize like actually the CEO of your company makes $3,000 an hour. Do, do you think that he works harder than you? So part of what happens when the governor does things like cut unemployment, I mean, it, it, it reinforces this idea that we don't have enough and that um, people are kind of stuck where they are and there aren't, there isn't actually a collective idea or vision that things could be better. So that's where we start with people. Um, and and then also how do we train people that I, I haven't seen the polling on minimum wage, but a couple of years ago in Indiana, it was like 78% of Hoosiers support raising the minimum wage. They think wages should be higher. And that was pre pandemic four or five years ago that that's where we pull. And so almost on every issue, we see the legislature out of step with what people actually want. So I feel like one, our job is to um, invite and activate low-wage workers to be a part of this change and work with people that we actually have plenty to pay people um, living wages in our state and in our country. We don't have less money than we used to. We have more money than we used to. Uh, it's just not, it's actually locked up at the top. And then second is to activate them into real campaigns so that the legislature and the decision makers can no longer um, operate out, so out of step with where their constituents are. I don't know if that totally. No, that's excellent. That, and that, I think that is really wonderful um, to, you know, to really begin this process. Uh, I, I, you know, I keep talking about union, union organizing um, and I, I think it's funny because people are so out of touch. Like you say, people don't think that there is enough. They don't think that there's money available. They think if they demand a higher wage, their co the company they work for will close. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's really sad. It's really sad to see people so kind of you know beaten down on that on that front. So mm -hmm. all right. So okay. So sorry, we are out of time. We went a little over, oh, but I want to. I know, it, I know. I so enjoy talking to you. This is really um, amazing. Everything you're doing is just amazing. And it, it just gives me a lot of hope to know that you're in our state. Uh, I think um, we're very lucky to have you. So, um, so I do like to close then. I like to ask um, for words of wisdom uh, that you could uh, leave with us. Um, well, one thing I was going to say is I really am proud of the work our membership does. And I also am committed to figuring out how we can raise the whole ecosystem so that there's more activated people in organizations 
uh, across the state. So I just believe that there is no path to changing our political future with individual actors or kind of political celebrities. That really, it's that rolling up our sleeves, talking to people, not talking to people with a litmus test of how they're supposed to sound or what they're supposed to say, but actually trying to figure out where are people really struggling and where can we align on some key key things um, and moving past cultural barriers, which um, I do also think has interrupted our politics. Like there's a culture to, to um, red places and blue places. And we act, the more we can strip that away and say, actually, what are the material circumstances that would improve your life? We can have a big we if we can move beyond that. Um, don't, I don't know. That's my, uh, ask more questions, more questions, less telling, less social media, more talking to your neighbors. Very nice. Oh, that is really great. That is super wise. Um, uh, so thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, I hope we can do this again. Uh, I would love to get more updates about what you're doing and love to, uh, kind of spread the information. Uh, I think I love your approach. It's, I think it's really, it cuts right through and under all of the noise. And I think that's uh, really a path to success. So that's true. Thank you so much. And I would love to come and talk more about our work. Excellent, excellent. All right, all right, till next time, take care. Thank you. Mm -hmm.